Welcome to the Don't Knock It podcast, where we address misconceptions about Jesus' character, his church, and his word. By doing this, we hope to encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez, and this is the sixth installment of season four, The Hard Sayings of Jesus, specifically what Jesus says in Luke chapter nine, let the dead bury their dead. And to help me address this hard saying, I am joined by a dear friend, a fellow brother in the faith, Andres Estrella. How are you, bro? I'm doing well. I'm honored to be here. Sweet, man. It's It's been a long time coming. It's been a while since we've had uh, just like a conversation where it's just me and you or us and some other brothers. And I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, it's a this is a great statement. I'm uh, I'm excited uh, that this is the one. And thank you for having me. Let's uh, excited to dive in. Yeah. Yeah, so before uh, before we dive into the text, um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Maybe sure. maybe so, where you're from, what you do, how long you've been a believer, and maybe a little bit about your testimony. Absolutely. As you so eloquently said, my name is Andres Estrella. I'm hailing from the great county of Dade, Miami-Dade. Um, so from Miami, Florida, right now, I'm sitting in Arvada, uh, Colorado, and I've been out here for four years Um I was actually a little bit about my testimony. I won't go too long, but I was raised Catholic like you. Um, grew up in the in the Catholic faith from as far as back as I can remember until confirmation and mm-hmm. in high school really departed from anything that had to do with faith and kind of sought after everything that a high school student uh, really does or a high school guy does, chasing girls, chasing parties, uh, athletics I was involved in as well. And definitely just departed from the ways of of God and and really seeking the ways of the world for a long time um, until I I got really broken, actually led me to a really crazy and also dark place where I was around a lot of drugs and alcohol and eventually surrendered first just my life to, at that point, was just anybody's control but mine. Um, And that was the first step for me in admitting that I needed help and that I needed a savior and that I was like broken. And so really was a depression, depression, alcoholism, drug addiction. Um, and that was in around 2014, uh, that I finally kind of gave up that lifestyle. I've by the grace of God, uh, been sober nine years now, um, since 2014. Amen. And it was about three years in to that sobriety journey where as I was in, you know, I went to AA and, was in the rooms and um, hearing people talk a lot about a higher power that in those rooms they introduce you to, um, letting control of your life go and admitting that you're not God and all these different things um, where I got curious and really started to realize that the more I talked to people who had this peace, who had this thing that I wanted that wasn't material, it was just like a, a sense of fulfillment and peace and joy in their life from the way they spoke and the way they carried themselves, I realized that they had a bigger spiritual life. And at that point, I was dabbling in different things. I was meditating more and I was praying, but I wasn't specifically calling out the name of Jesus, but I was that curiosity was back. And I knew I didn't want to go back to the Catholic faith. And sure enough, as soon as I was starting to look up what it looked like to enhance my my spiritual life in terms of joining a community and going back to a church, uh, somebody from a, a Christian church uh, invited me right like right at the time I was literally like getting up the the courage to go to a Sunday service somewhere and this person happened to invite me to um, 
to yeah, a gospel preaching church. And it was so different from anything I went to um, mm. because it was a Christian service with the, in a black box, dark room with the lights, with a Hillsong playing and all this stuff. And anyway, the preacher was funny and they were, they were shouting at the preacher and I was like, this is weird. Yeah. And all these things going on. Bottom line, I gave my life to Jesus back then in 2017. And it's been a slow, it was a slow journey the first couple of years learning to really obey the Lord and, and follow what it means to follow him and, and live a life onto him and that would honor him. And that eventually led me to serving in the local church and, and really just giving more of my, uh, more and more of my life to, to the Lord and eventually led me out here to Colorado where right now, after serving many years, I get the, the privilege right now of serving in a leadership capacity at um, a small or, or a local church in the Boulder area um, that I so much love. And that's Pinewood Church uh, I've been a part of for four years now. I actually just hit my four-year anniversary this weekend being in Colorado and being part of Pinewood. So that is... Uh, somewhat of, I guess that, I guess that was a little bit long, more long winded than I wanted to, but, uh, no, that was uh, perfect. That was perfect. Uh, it allowed you to, yeah, from start to, to where you're at now, which (laughs) I really appreciate in about a couple minutes. So, uh, that's awesome. Um, so a little bit, I want to tell a story a little bit about this, um, about this church in Boulder. Mm. Um, so I, I finished my degree, uh, from a division two in Grand Junction, and then I moved to Denver, and I won't get into the details, but it was it ended up just being a really traumatic experience. And then I, I moved into a two-bedroom apartment with uh, one of my coworkers at that time, and I was swamped with work. I worked two jobs, one in the morning and one in the evening. The first job was 8 to 1, and then three 3.30 to 11.30, Monday through Friday. And so I was having trouble um, you know, driving home because I would fall, like I would be falling asleep at the wheel. And so there was just a lot of things going on. And then I fell back into some old habits. And then at, at the morning job that I had, uh, I worked at a, as a physical therapy aide at a PT office or an orthopedic center. And one of the patients invited me to church. And um, I forgot how we got to the conversation, but um, I asked her and at this point, I'd already been a believer for several years, and I had asked her, oh, where do you go to church? And she said, oh, I go to a church here in Boulder. Um, and she said, it's a little different, but uh, but I love it, and I love the people, and the preaching's great, and you should come. And then she handed me, um, what do you call it? Would you call it a business card? Or, <laughs> like an invite card? Yeah, like a little, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was like a, a small little, I guess it was a track, like an invite card. And I was like, cool, like, I'll, I'll check it out. And at this point, I had been searching for for churches in the Denver area. And I just, uh, every every Sunday for about a month, uh, I tried a different church every, every week. And some of them were just too big. Others were just a little off in, I don't know, I just felt like I, I didn't have a place there at, at the churches that I, that I visited. And so this church that that the, this patient uh, told me about, um, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like it's a, it said on the card that it was a, an afternoon service. So it was at, I think it was at that, at that point it was a four, I think it was four and six. Right. And I was like, cool. Like I, on, on the weekends, I made sure to do something fun, like a hike or anything like that because of how, how much I was drowning in work during the week. And so I went on a hike and then I finished it in time to go to the four o'clock. 
And so I went and for the sake of not being long-winded, uh, I met one of the greeters and one of the greeters ended up being my wife. But anyway, that's, that's a, yeah. that's a story for a different time. But, uh, this church, uh, in Boulder really, really, I guess God used the people there, the messages there to really, uh, tether my heart to his again, mm. um, after being, after experiencing the fall, the backsliding back into back bad habits. And the, this church was having a, uh, their second, I believe it was their second conference since being a church, since, you know, since the church being planted. And so it was at that conference where he, where God truly met me where I was in the specific season that I was in. And he used that conference, the speakers there to really, to, I guess, to, for me to look myself in the mirror and say, am I ready to do this? Am I ready to fully surrender? Um, it was at that conference where I was introduced to some phenomenal people from Miami and Andres was, he was part of that friend group. And during that whole weekend, we, we hung out, we talked, we shared stories. And it was that weekend where God really used his children, his adopted sons and daughters in this friend group from Miami who was in town to, for this conference to really just set my feet firmly on the foundation of Christ. And it was just so humbling and it was quite possibly one of the most incredible weekends that I've ever had in my life because of the people that God led me to through this church. So, and Andres was one of them. Andres was one of the, the, the friends who worshiped next to me and who, who helped me uh, honestly show me what it was like to serve in a local church. Uh, I just wanted to share that story because um, God used, it was just a small little church I met in a Jewish synagogue and God used that group of people to really um, set me on the trajectory that led me to, you know, meet my wife and have a beautiful little girl and then be immersed in the ministry of sharing the gospel. So just wanted to share that before we go any further, because you and your friend group played a huge role in my walk. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that and highlighting that. That was a amazing weekend where really you were grafted into our group just as yeah. Together, we're all grafted into uh, the family of God. Um, and then, we, yeah, we went on to even celebrate your birthday later that year. That was Pinewood Conference 2019, uh, version version one, actually. Um, that was a really powerful weekend. Yeah. And I remember a lot of the speakers and the worship that was going on. So um, what a great time. Um, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, so let's get into today's hard saying. All right, so it's out of Luke 9, and I'll just start at Luke 9, actually, there's maybe 57. Yeah, yeah. So Luke 9, verse 57 says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he, that man responded, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, so Jesus responds with in verse 60, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And then another man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. And then Jesus responds to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He addresses three different individuals here. 
I'm assuming it's not the same person. And he responds three different ways to these three different individuals. But I want to focus on what he says in verse 60, and then we'll, we'll kind of go through the rest of the passage there. So, Andres, what, what does Jesus mean when he says, let the dead bury the dead? Oh, man, there's so much packed into that. But at the baseline, I believe what Jesus is trying to say is that there are more important things um, or there are no more important things than what actually is said after that to proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And so in this circumstance, right, looking at it in context, actually Jewish burial rituals are very important um, and the dead have to be buried right afterwards. And it would have been a shame to this son's father to not be present or not go bury him. But that is the intensity with which Jesus is trying to say here. And he might even, I think what he's trying to speak to is not the actual circumstance of let the dead bury their own dead, but maybe it's something deeper that this man is saying, Hey, I have something else I got to take care of before giving myself fully to the work of the Lord and proclaiming the gospel. And Jesus is speaking more so to that than anything else saying, no, you, you must not understand if that's where your heart posture is, that there is nothing more important than proclaiming the kingdom everywhere. So although it's, it's kind of shocking, it's like, wait, he, he can't be there at his, his father's burial. It's like, well, as you've been mentioning through this theme of this series, uh, the cost of discipleship. That is the cost. There is nothing more important. And, and maybe he's even alluding to, you know, some, some people would say that this person might have been talking about a, a relative or his father's that's not dead or was sick and going to die. Um, that's, I think, great. Uh, neither here nor there for this conversation. And maybe he's talking about a little bit about the actual spiritually dead. You know, they don't, they don't know the Lord. And although we want the whole world to be saved, the truth is, when you're called to the the ministry of proclaiming the gospel and you really want to follow Jesus, that takes first precedent. Um, that takes the number one priority. Yeah, that one of the things that most study Bibles will have is that it was like a, a Jew, the Jewish custom of burying relatives involved almost a year long process. And so what they would mm. do is they would they would go through the burial process and then um, it would take a year for it to completely decompose. And then they would put the bones in what's called an ossuary box. And this was known as a basic, like the most basic family obligation, right? This is something mm. that, that, that they weren't allowed to just say like, oh, I actually like I have something else planned. It was something that was a basic family obligation. If someone was going to die or someone was, was dead, that there was this year long process of, of burial. And so, you hit on something also that a lot of people have come to understand this passage as, and it's the the fact that Jesus is, he's probably saying like, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. The, the people who don't know me and don't have this obligation to preach the gospel everywhere, let them handle that, right? Preaching of the kingdom is much more important at this point than you burying your family member. But yeah, Jesus oftentimes insists that following him must take precedence over every other relationship and every other obligation. I really like, uh, if I can share something yeah, go ahead. that R.C. Sproul said, 
when it comes to what's a priority in your life. He said, if you don't want to follow Jesus as a top priority in your life, he doesn't want you as a disciple. Mm-hmm. And I think this verse really speaks to that, the priority of the kingdom and following Jesus in your life, that what's most important should be to preach the, the kingdom of God. And, and we see this all over scripture too, right? Matthew mm-hmm. six thirty three. but seek first the kingdom and all will be added. Um, John Edwards said, the seeking after the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. And so I think this really hits that home in terms of things Jesus said. Yeah, I just recorded an episode on when Jesus says, go and sell your possessions, right, to the rich mm-hmm. young ruler. And oftentimes the people who come to him never walk away changed. So if they come to him and genuinely want to follow him, they'll have to give something incredibly important to them, or they end up walking away either sad or absolutely angry, ready to crucify him right then and there. And so whenever you have an encounter with the the Son of God, the Messiah, you're not going to walk away the same. Like you, you have just encountered the God of the universe, and you will never be the same after that. And so I just want to point to verse 58 here for a second. Mm-hmm. where he says to a man who very boldly says, I will follow you wherever you go. And then verse 58, Jesus says, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I've read this several times, right? Like over the course of being saved. Um, but something that I read in this book, I forgot where it was. I know, I just know that I had the note in my, in my Bible app for this specific verse. And, and the note says, this is a reminder that Jesus is not at home in this world and neither are his followers. Like the birds, Amen. the foxes have holes, the birds have the air, right? Or they have their nests, but the son of man and essentially everyone who follows him will never feel at home in this world. And I just thought that was like a very cool insight. Uh, like I said, I don't remember where I got it from, but it is a reminder that we're never really t- supposed to feel completely comfortable um, walking this earth, right? Because our home is somewhere else. Our home is heaven. And so with that being that's said, so yeah. Yeah. Did you have anything to comment? No, on? that's, that's really good and really biblical. Our citizenship is in heaven as Paul writes. It's mm-hmm. not, not here on this home. And no, I, I think that's great. Us not feeling comfortable. Things should feel somewhat like a sacrifice. That can be like a, a dirty word mm-hmm. sometimes in, in religion or in, following the lord but um it's true encountering and truly following the lord we we have to leave changed or different i've heard people say it as like if you meet jesus it's like you know when you come into contact with something else like you get hit by a truck you're gonna be changed on the other side and jesus is that much more the lord is that much more powerful than getting hit by a truck so you're gonna leave changed yeah i just i actually it's funny that you mentioned that because i just used that analogy with one of my students where like on Thursdays, we have chapel services. So it's like we it's essentially like a short uh, church service where we have uh, worship and then prayer and a message. And then we break off into our small groups. So each teacher has a specific group. And I have I have the seventh grade boys. And so a few of them have the question of like, oh, man, how can I know? How can I know if I'm truly saved? And to put it in a way that they would understand, it's like, Here's your life before follow before surrendering to Jesus. Here's your decision and here's your life after that. 
if these two, if those two portions of your life look the same, exact same, that's a problem. There, yeah. you may have not been genuine in your surrendering. You're probably holding on to something still. And then I, I also use the analogy of the truck. Like I was talking to this one student and I was like, if you walked in here and told me, oh, Mr. Ramirez, like, I'm sorry, I'm late. I actually got hit by a bus and, you know, it won't happen again. I'm sorry I'm late. I probably wouldn't believe you because you don't look like you got hit by a bus, right? You have your start. You, you walk in with your Starbucks in hand. You're probably, you probably didn't get hit by a bus. And I feel like oftentimes we, we sell ourselves short and sell God short of his work in our lives when we don't truly surrender and act like he has saved us, right? Cause he has saved yes. us from the pain of sin and death um, ultimately, right? Like in the grand scheme of things. And a lot of that stems from being welcomed into the kingdom. And so I have this way uh, in my Bible class, I have this way of, of helping them remember what a kingdom, what the kingdom of God is. And so I teach Genesis through judges. So at, obviously we, we don't really get specific kingdom language up until uh, further down in scripture. But a way that I help, help them remember what a kingdom is or what the kingdom of God is, is I say the kingdom of God is God's people in God's place under God's rule. Right. Yeah. This is this is what God's kingdom is. It can't. Neither of those three things can be removed. Otherwise, it's not a kingdom anymore. You need a people. You need a territory. Right. A place. And you need some type of governance. And so with being welcomed into the kingdom of God, when we refer to the kingdom of God, there's obviously uh, prerequisites in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Right. In in verse 62 of Luke nine. Jesus says, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So this, mm. this, this, the third individual that Jesus is responding to here, he says, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. And then obviously Jesus says, and then he responds in verse 62, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so my question to you, Andres, is, is how can we make sure that we're fit, right? Like how can we make sure that we're fit for the kingdom of God? I know my my version and the NASB says uh, fit. Maybe yours says something different. But um, can you help us unpack that? Absolutely. Um, the NKJV also says fit. I think that's the, okay. the best translation probably is is fit for the kingdom of God. And we've been touching upon it, right? The What's the common theme there is in a lot of the conversations Jesus has with people that want to follow him. It's some sacrifice and really it's obedience but more than anything as you just said it should like you should be able to tell the difference between the time you followed god and the time you didn't because ultimately it should define your life it you should be marked um you should be different um because of the way you follow the lord and so how does that come to be right we know that sanctification and all these things are, are a process but even these words here, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This even might speak to that once saved, always saved kind of things like, are you really saved? Well, 
in the agrarian culture here, when you're talking about plowing, that, that really would mean you have one hand on the plow and you're trying to draw these straight lines to plow. Yeah, I don't know that much about farming, but we can imagine mm-hmm. what it is like. You have to be fully, you know, go straight the whole way. If you look back the other way, your plow is going to turn. It's not going to be fruitful. You're not going to be able to produce. And it's the same with uh, the work of the Lord. You need to faithfully honor the Lord. And really what came to mind for me when looking at this and, and what is fit it really comes to the words obey for me. Um, mm. I think all littered over scripture, we see God's commandments to obey from Deuteronomy eleven thirteen. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to the Lord, your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, he says to John 14, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. I think that's how we show we are fit. Um, what's the greatest command to uh, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, uh, mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, Jesus adds to that. Um, so how are you loving the Lord? Um, you love him by obeying him. He gave us a whole book um, to show his son, Jesus. And I think it all reveals his son, Jesus and his sons and the Lord's love for us. Um, and it also lays out a ton of commands on how we should live on, on what is really seeking the kingdom of God and what does it look like to love, um, to love the Lord by obeying him. And that honestly, in this society and in this culture, it should look different. It should look marked. It should define our lives. Um, that's how we know um, if we're fit to enter the kingdom. It should require a level of sacrifice, if that makes sense. Yeah, not only should it look different to the world out there, but it's, it should also look different when we compare it to the religious traditions that we try to hold on to, right? Um, when I think about the kingdom and its principles and God's and God's commandments. I th- I think of the Sermon on the Mount, right? These are kingdom principles, and so Jesus is addressing the 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 Pharisees who who thought one way and were so black and white about one thing, but he's like, actually, it's deeper than that, right? Adultery is not just some some outward display of infidelity. It's now an inward battle, an inward an inward demonstration of sinful tendencies right and you mentioning the greatest commandment uh, i think it ties really well into what we're talking about here because in mark 12 um, starting at verse 28 there's a teacher of the law that comes to him and he says "Of, of all the commandments which is the most important right and then jesus says in verse 30 love the lord uh love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul mind and strength but he adds a second one Right? He adds a second one in verse 31. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And then, and then the passage continues. The, the teacher of the law then says that those two commandments are more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then oh, the key thing to understand what fit for the kingdom of God is, is when Jesus says that he had answered wisely. And then he responds, you are not far from the kingdom of God. What made me think of this and what tied this passage to what we're talking about right now is that he was not far, meaning he wasn't, he didn't get it, right? There's something missing, right? Mm. Jesus, Jesus himself says, you answered wisely, so you're not far. What We are not trying to miss out on heaven, right? We're not trying to miss out on this kingdom. So what was this guy missing that prevented Jesus from saying, yup, welcome, welcome into the kingdom, right? I think uh, what he was missing is belief, 
Mm. He was missing belief in the Messiah because he recognized that it wasn't just about burnt offerings and sacrifices, right? It, it To love the Lord your God is much more. And to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself has to do much more than just offering physical sacrifices. It has to do with putting your faith and trust in the one who fulfilled all of those uh, sacrificial laws and and fulfilled the law in general perfectly. And then in Romans, I just went over this in uh, in my Bible class because we're going we're about halfway into Deuteronomy. It's Romans chapter ten verses three and four when Paul writes, for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. And then verse four says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And so this man who came to Jesus and says, you know, of all the commandments, which one's the most important? Jesus gives two. The guy responds that those two are more important than all of the sacrifices. And then Jesus says, you answered wisely. You're not far. You're not far from the kingdom of heaven. So what is, what is preventing him to, from saying, from welcoming, welcoming him into the kingdom, is belief, belief yeah. in the Messiah. And so this saying of "Let the dead bury their dead" is essentially a call for unrivaled allegiance to the Son of God and His calling, the calling of repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. That's really good. The I almost feel this from reading this passage over now. This this teacher of the law may have had this this religious spirit about him of hey, which one do I need to do? You can almost imagine Jesus answering. He wants to know the one, and Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, gives him two. Yeah. And then he, you know, maybe not written here. He, he pressed Jesus again, like hey, no, but but uh, you said two. Like which one of those? And then Jesus just turns to him and is like. Yes. Like, you know, like just, he gives them like a, yes, both, you know, like, um, kind of that. And in feeling that it's almost more of what you said, that belief. And it's what you, you actually opened up in talking about Pinewood. You talked about, I focused in on the words you said of tethering, um, Pinewood was instrumental in tethering your heart to that of God. And I think that's what the Lord wants in our elite, in our full allegiance to him is just to be closer, more intimate with him and what that means and what that brings about in our life is this dropping down or this falling away of, I think this religious spirit of, no, no, like what's the one thing I need to do or what's the one box I need to check to um, say that, you know, I am saved or say that I do believe God or, or be fit for the kingdom. And it's more about how can I just give myself fully this full allegiance? And really it's putting that belief, that trust, that hope in the Lord, knowing that, if I surrender and actually do what the Lord wants in my life, have him lead me, have his word guide my steps, my interactions, and what I do, then I, I'm just in submission and in belief that he's going to honor uh, the love, the dedication, the service that I give to him. And actually, it's going to turn into a delight. It's not going to feel like a sacrifice because my heart is being tethered towards his. Um, and really, that falling away of the religious spirit is what brings about that that fruitfulness of your life, that joy, that peace, that perseverance to um, proclaim the gospel everywhere, to seek first the kingdom and makes it uh, something joyful and something easy um, to do. Uh, but but a hard call to fully believe, fully submit, fully mm -hmm. surrender. 
Um, not not easy. Simple, but not easy, as yeah. some people would say. Yep. If we're being honest with ourselves, as we read the Gospels, Jesus did address those things, right? If we come to him, every person that, if I'm not mistaken, every person that asked him, hey, what's, how do I get into heaven, right? Or which commandment is the greatest? Jesus oftentimes addresses and answers that question with something that we refuse to let go of. Mm, and so when he yeah. did, th- did that with the rich young ruler, he did answer him, but it was something that he wasn't willing to give up. Yeah, it is a hard call, but oftentimes um, the hardest things are worth pursuing because we know what we have or what we will receive in the end. And so so as we as we close out this episode, for anyone who doesn't know Jesus or anyone who refuses to give up something that, that will keep him or her from fully submitting to the Lord, to any uh, person who is listening right now and is refusing to do that, um, what would you say? I would say in classic fashion, don't knock it till you try it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in, in reality, I would say, yeah, I, I would really say that because I would say trust the Lord because his ways are higher. His ways are better. Um, in my experience personally, I found that following the Lord was much easier. Um, the Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares. So I would really say to that person, um, let go, stop trying to control, um, and just admit that, hey, none of us are perfect. You know, like that's that's the bottom line of it. Like I have sin, or really what sin is missing the mark. You know, I have errors, I have things I've done wrong, and I do wrong, but God has a way of penetrating our hearts. Of He sent down His Son not only to die, but to raised from the dead for all that. Um, but it just takes us admitting that, you know, we need help. Um, so I would say just just put your trust. Give that belief to the Lord. Amen. It's a beautiful message. It's a beautiful, it won't be easy. Um, Jesus himself says to pick up your cross and follow him. So it's not going to be is easy because a cross is a first century execution device. But what he gives you in return, right? So, peace that surpasses all understanding he says come all ye who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest that's something that the world cannot and and will not fulfill fully uh for us so man brother thank you it's been wonderful getting to catch up and enjoy this fellowship and thank you for helping us understand this hard saying i appreciate you man oh thank you so much for having me it's been a joy and an honor and just super grateful to spend some time with you and to dive into God's word. Uh, what better thing to spend our time doing than to extract some truth from here and see what the Lord really has for us. And so it's been an honor and a privilege, man. Thank you and, and love you, man. Love you too, bro. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Don't Knock It podcast. If you want to know more about the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. If you listen on Spotify, make sure you follow or click the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the show if you haven't already. Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Christian Mears. Grace and peace, family.